What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always. Happy Sunday. Uh, recording this right after the Rutgers Ohio State game. Big win there for the Scarlet Knights as they take down the Buckeyes 18 to 7. Outscore them 10 to 2 in the second half there. Before we get uh, going here, first of all, apologies about Thursday's show. I know there was some issues with the um, the audio, apparently. Um, when I listened back to it, it was fine. But when it went out, um, part of it was cut off. I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, but apologies for that. Uh, again, don't know what happened there. Um, but let's, let's get right into, you know, what went down this weekend and, you know, We'll start with this Sunday game. Um, like just FYI, I won't talk about Penn State Maryland on here because before than this before then, but um, Ohio State and Rutgers. I mean, this was a battle that you thought coming in. Um, this is going to show who's the second best team in the Big Ten. Is it Rutgers? Is it Ohio State? And the Scarlet Knights they showed clearly uh, that they are the second best team. In the Big Ten, uh, they got that NASCAR offense going. Um, and, you know, early on in this game, I think they had, in, in the first quarter, um, the, the, the turnovers. You had six turnovers for Rutgers, a lot of which were unforced. Um, there in the, first, in the first period of play, you look at... Uh, Dujanot and and what he did at the dot uh, was impressive and and right from the jump, you know, taking it to, uh, you know, that two-pronged attack there from Ohio State, Anasio and Blanchard. Um, This was, I mean, Dujanot, this is his best performance that he's had at Rutgers. Um, Probably his best performance since, I guess, was his freshman year at St. John's when he went like 60-70% against Rutgers. I mean, this is a, a phenomenal performance he had that helped you know, provide a spark plug for that offense. Um, and again, Rutgers, they cleaned, up the, they cleaned things up in the second period. Um, they go on that run there to end the half. Uh, really, I, I, I thought they started to take over the game you had that Ross Scott goal um, where he comes around off the pick. The short stick jumps out, just kind of swipes at him. He just runs right past him uh, and, and puts it in there, curling the cage. And then you had that next one 15 seconds later uh, where in transition, Mitch Barcelo gets that shot uh, to go, and it makes it a 5-4 game. That was Rutgers' first lead of the game, and they never trailed since then. I really thought – that specific, that specific like run right there, those two goals in a row really signified not only what Rutgers can be when they're going at full speed, um, but kind of signified a, a changing of pace in this game where things started to shift towards the Scarlet Knights and like did it ever, you know, Shane Knobloch, Ross Scott. Ryan Gallagher with that one, one second left on the clock. That ends the half, and it's an 8-5 to five Rutgers game. 
Um, really, after those two goals, you know, it, Scott White does get one to tie it back up at 5-5. But after that, it's all Rutgers. Um, I mentioned they outscored them 10-2 to in the second half. And that, that's, that's that. Um, they end the game on a big run, uh, six goal, 13. Yeah, it's 13 to 7. They get the 18 to 7 win. So, five goal run there, or six. Five goal run. Uh, no, six, I was right. Six goal run to end the game. Uh, Ross Scott, Mitch Bartolo kind of leading the way here. Scott with four goals, three assists, seven points on the day. Um, you know, they put they put Bobby Van Buren on him, and like, he played well. He played well in the first half. Um, but that, that defense as a whole just, you know, wasn't able you – know, when, when they started doing what they do and getting out and running, um, the, the, the Ohio State defense just was not able to put a stop to that. And then I mentioned the face-off dot. I mean, look – Anasio, you know, took the went 0, and, 0 for five on the day, like 0 and five. They put Blanchard in. Uh, he does a little better, 12 for 23. That's still sub 50 percent. Uh, Dujano 15 for 26. I mean, that is against that duo right there. I mean, that's one of the better performances we've seen um, from Rutgers in a while at the faceoff. I mean, that's a spot where they've where they've struggled. Um, and they did struggle last year, but they found ways to get around that with their defense, um, or to subdue that with their defense. And I think you know they've had some instances, instances like that this year, but they've been much improved at that spot, and that really showed today. So, um, and then also in cage, you know, Coast Colin Coast with twelve saves, thought he played well. Thought this Rutgers defense played well as a whole. Um, Zach. Uh, Frank Owout, Frank Owake, uh, Frank Awake is how I pronounce that. I don't, apologies, mispronunciation probably, but um, he, you know, had a good day at the pole, getting up, running and gunning. You saw you know, Ethan Law have some good take, have, uh, s- some good plays, had a takeaway. Um, yeah, man, I mean, this this was a good a good all-around performance from Rutgers. Um, you know, they're 9-1 and one now on the season. I think they're pretty clearly the second-best team in the Big Ten, without a doubt, without a doubt. Ohio State now, you know, we, 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 we they've had a really good start to the season, um, but they fall here today on Sunday. And um, you look at the Big Ten, uh, you know, you got Penn State, you got Hopkins, Maryland, and Michigan. Uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, Big Ten is going to get three in. I don't think so um, at this point, right? They could. Um, but, like, Ohio State's going to have to take care of business against Hopkins and against Michigan. And against Penn State, like if you have losses to Maryland and Rutgers, and if you lose to Maryland the way you lost today, that is not a good look 
Um, now, thankfully, the Big Ten has it where everybody gets in. I think Ohio State would get in anyway, but everybody gets into the Big Ten tournament. And look, that's dangerous. We, we, we see what happens uh, in postseason basketball uh, with things like the ACC tournament where you have some lower seeds that, that make some runs um, every once in a while. And look, I'm not going to put it past you no know, Penn State or Hopkins or Michigan to, 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 beat, to, beat, a, to beat an Ohio State. Um, not in the not in the regular season, not in the postseason. Uh, the Big Ten play is always tough, and it's going to be tough again this year. So Ohio State, I mean, they've got to fix some things. Certainly, you saw early on they were getting they were getting the offense going. Um, you know, Jack Myers held without a point. Um, with I think Gene Felix on him for most of the day did a good job. Um, Colby Smith, I mean, he stepped up three three points. Scott White stepped up, but really second half couldn't get much going of anything. So Ohio State needs to kind of step up here and, uh, you know, for postseason, postseason hopes. Um, I still think they're probably the third best team in the Big Ten without a doubt, but um, that's based on what we've seen today. How big is that drop off? A team that has turned the corner, maybe, we'll see, is Syracuse. Um, they get the 14-10 to 10 win over Duke. And look, this one, Tucker Dordovic, seven, seven points, five goals, two assists. Um, the defense played very, very well. Bobby Gavin, 10 saves. Uh, Nick uh, Kamako with four ground balls, three cause turnovers. Jacob Fopp, 57% at the dot. Those three spots. Um... Defensively, I mean, he had 12 cost turnovers on the day. And Comico leading the way. Bobby Gavin anchoring things. Thought that defense mixed in with the face-off success that they had. And Nasa was able to get some get some good wins there in the second half. Um, but really, the, the first half, you see that big, that big run. You had that big run in the first period. Um and then you had that big run those kind of straddled the first and second period periods. And then you had that big run there in the final uh, frame that really put things away, really put things away in this one. And Duke, like they, they never really sparked at all. Um, you had that little, that little time there where in the middle of the second, you know, Brennan O'Neill, Reed Landon, Andrew McAdory, you know, outscore the Orange three to one in the final six minutes of the first half, and then you know O'Neill you know got one more to help cut the lead to ten to nine, with you know less than a minute left in the third. That gets himself a hat trick, a hundred career points for him. Congratulations. Um, but you know, outside of that. They weren't able to get much. I thought Mike Adler did as as good of a job as as he could do to try to keep that Syracuse offense at bay. Um, and I, I think Syracuse, my, my biggest takeaway from this is just the improvement that we've seen from this team. You know, you knew Fop and Naso that was going to be a battle, and Fop wins it. Okay. Defensively, I wasn't sure if they could handle Duke. They clearly showed me that they can. And, look, 
Duke, they're not playing their best with class right now. I don't know what's going on in Durham. It, it, it's not looking good. Um, look, should they be scared of missing out on the tournament? I don't think so. Uh, at this point, you still have a lot of lacrosse left. You've got games against who they played. Uh, Carolina next week, they play them twice. They play um, Notre Dame twice, and they play Virginia. You know, it, it's this bottom. It's, I think Virginia right now is the safest team in the ACC by far. It, without question, they're making the tournament, no doubt about it. Duke, North Carolina, Notre Dame, and Syracuse. Which of those are going to make it? If if the ACC gets two, if they get three, who, who's going to make it? And who's going to be the two left out? I can see a world like, a world right now where any combination of those two, of those four, make it. Duke and Notre Dame. Carolina and Notre Dame. Syracuse and Carolina. There's such a, it's such kind of a mixed bag at this point. Um, There, I'd probably say Carolina is maybe the second best team in the in the ACC. Um, Last week, I would have said Notre Dame, Carolina, Duke, and Syracuse. I don't know. Duke, they got to fix their defense. they, they, they got to get that offense going. It doesn't look like they're uh, initiating like they need to, like they were earlier on in the season. Um, and, you know, with with Syracuse, I mean, g- give give props to, you know, Coach Gate, uh, Coach Petro. That that team is, is playing well. Coach March as well. I mean, that team, I mean, yeah, the Owen Hills injury preseason – Kind of shook things up, and they were rusty. They they were rusty. They weren't connecting well. Um, but the ball movement on Saturday, I thought, was good. We're not seeing as many. They, they still get those one on one situations, but and I said this against Army, like they moved the ball well in the first half. If they can do that for a full game, they can win games, and they did that. They did that, and, and it's not all Tucker Dordovic. It's not all. Curry and Siebel, we'll see in Mikey Berkman uh, and Corsi step up as well. Uh, Mateo Corsi. We'll see those two guys step up as well. And and that's big. And they're coming, they're coming through each game now. It's not just, you know, we'll have a, two goals on this Saturday, a couple no-goal games, no-point games, and we'll have a couple assists here. It's, I mean, this, this offense is getting more consistent. Um, so, you know, we'll see how more things go with the Syracuse squad. But uh, I'm, I'm, I liked what I saw. Um, there's still a lot of issues that need to be worked out, some silly mistakes that you saw. But they're a lot better than they were against Hopkins, I'll tell you that. And uh, Duke, they might be going in the wrong direction. Sticking in the ACC, Virginia gets the bounce back one at home. Uh, 12 to 8, but this one was nowhere close to that. Um, you had Notre Dame got, they get three goals or something in the final, you know, in garbage time, basically, um, three goals in the final one minute and 15 seconds. They had one with three fifteen left as well. Um, this was a nine to three game heading into the fourth. Um, and look, all I can say about this, 
domination. I mean, Virginia, they, they, they got dominated in that second half against Maryland. And was Tiffany that staff, they brought them back in. They reset things. And they went out there and they took it to a Notre Dame team that a lot of people think is good. Uh, I think is a good team. Um, they've had a lot of losses, you know. Uh, Will Lynch, I'll say, look, props to him, had a phenomenal day at the faceoff, dot 75% for the Irish. Um, this this Virginia defense, and Cade Sostad back as well. Uh, you know, was back for Saturday, was in this one as well. The defense as a whole, I mean, really stepped up. Cole Kastner, everybody. Bobby Gavin, excuse me, not Bobby Gavin, uh, Matthew Nunes, uh, they had a good day as well uh, with 19 saves. 19 saves in cage uh, for Bobby Gavin there. Um, really, really a, a, a strong effort all the way around for Virginia in this one. And, and a really, really good performance there as they bounce back to uh, to beat Virginia. Excuse me, 12 saves in that one. I said 19. I don't know why I said 19. 12 saves for Matthew Nunes in that one. Um, as as they get, get a bounce back one, bounce back win, and, and really defense won this one uh, by and large. You know, Connor Schellenberger was a catalyst there. Five points off three goals and two assists. Peyton Cormier, Griffin Schutz, Sandro Dixon, um, all those guys stepping up. It's six to two and a half. They extend it nine to three in the third quarter. Um, and they just run straight through Notre Dame. Um, as I mentioned, the Irish get a couple of late to make it a 12-8 game. But uh, those garbage time goals. Outside that, um, Notre Dame didn't get much all day. Now, to a 19-save performance, finally, here. Jared Paquette with Yale had 19 saves on the day. That's what I was reading there. Um, as Yale knocks off Princeton, 14-12. to 12. Um, And this was a back-and-forth game, as back-and-forth as you can get. Uh, game of runs here. It was, you know, within... You know, it, it was four to it was seven to four Yale at, at late in the half, um, late in the first half. Princeton comes back and cuts it to ten to nine, or takes the ten nine lead with five twenty nine left in the third. And look, Chris Brown, Alexander Vidalo, Jake Stevens get three consecutive goals there. Um, then, like, just as quickly as they got that lead, it, it, it vanishes or it begins to vanish. Chris, Matt Brandau, Chris Lyons push Yale ahead 11 to 10 heading into the fourth. And this thing goes back and forth um, until it's a 14 to 11 game. And once that happens, or 13 to 11, when it's 13 to 11, that's the first time that it's above a one score game um, for nearly, I think it was 15 uh, minutes or 20 minutes that it was just a one goal game back and forth. And look, Yale, um, you know, Brandau gets one himself and then 
you know, on a little rollback. It looks like he's going to question mark. He rolls back, finds Johnny Keeb uh, down there for the score, 14-11. to 11. And uh, the Yale defense holds up down the stretch. Parquette, I mentioned 19 saves, 10 saves in the second half alone, five in each quarter. He played fantastic in this one. Uh, Brian Tevlin with, I think he had four cause turnovers. I mean, he played really good. I thought that Yale midfield unit looked a lot better. And overall, from this one, you just got to take away, Yale is improving. And I said this a few weeks ago. I've said it multiple times before. Yale has the highest ceiling of any Ivy League team. Princeton, we've seen the success they've had. Penn, we've seen the success. Harvard, we've seen the success, right? These are really good teams this year. But in terms of the highest ceiling, I I think Yale has that. And I think at the end of the day, Yale is probably going to be the best team in the Ivy. And right now, you know, Harvard may be atop the standings, which who would have thunk it, um, you know, coming into the season. I don't think anyone saw that coming. But um, Yale is probably the best team here in the conference. And Paul Ketz, 19 saves. This defense pulling the clamps down late. Um, Tigers go one for four in shooting in the final six minutes. Uh, Paul Kent had two big saves on English and Mackesee to stifle any kind of late game effort that Princeton might have. Really, really good day in cage from him. Uh, for Princeton, you know, Vidalo, six points, four goals, two assists. Eric Peters played well in cage as well, 13, 13 saves. Tyler Sandoval, uh, 64% at the dot. Um, one thing I, I do want to mention, and I still need to go back and watch the entirety of this game. I watched most of the second half, and then last night I watched the first quarter, um, of the first quarter and part of the second. I still need to finish this whole thing, but um, the ride looked pretty good for Yale, and that's not a team that I normally think of as like, oh, they're a great riding team, but. They they held Princeton. Let me pull this up again. They they held Princeton to it was uh, wasn't anything you know massive, but it was it was pretty good good size uh, difference. So they held they hold Princeton to seventeen for twenty four in the clearing game. Now, conversely, Yale gives eighteen uh, of twenty three. So it wasn't spectacular on each side. Um, and Yale did – Yale had a couple fails in the, in late in the second half. In the third quarter, they were perfect. Both teams were. Um, but really in that second period, you saw the first half, really, uh, you see Yale, uh, that ride kind of hinder Princeton a lot. And, and there were some mistakes on their part as well. Uh, but you just saw Princeton struggle in that area at times in this game, which I think also helped uh, Yale to kind of get that energy going that they needed. Moving on to uh, a game here that I did. I didn't watch live. I went back and watched it last night. Um, Penn taking down Cornell 15 to 11. Top 10 Ivy League battle once again. And look, um, there were there were there's a fifteen to eleven win. However, 
Penn does lose the second half. Um, they lost the second half in this one. But, and I think it was something like seven to three in the second half it is what it, um, what it was. But, the, uh, and they also had 20 turnovers to Cornell, 16. Uh, they weren't very good in the clearing game, especially in the second half, 8 of 13. Um, they lose the second half, six, 7 to 6. Um, but they get the win overall. And there are three areas, I guess four, I would say, that really stuck out to me in this win for Penn. Uh, so, so first of all, I want to just say this real quick. They won without any late-game antics. No overtime, no late-game heroics, nothing. I think that says a lot about Penn and how they've progressed. And while there's still some issues to be taken care of, the clearing game, they showed a lot of improvement on Saturday. Offensive depth, which we've seen all year for this team, I thought was really showed itself again. Face-off dot, goalie play, and ground balls are the three kind of linchpins of this performance for the Quakers. Jamie Zuzzi. No, Penn was not doing well at the face-off dot. Zuzzi and Arceli come in and, and, and as a duo do pretty pretty well in the second half against Princeton uh, a week prior. Zuzi takes all the draws today, or on Saturday, I should say. 21 for 29, that's 72%. I mean, it was unbelievable what he was able to do there at the dot um, against Petrakis. They tried to pull it. They, they tried everything. Cornell could not get that going. Now, they did get some success in the second half a couple times that led to some goals, um, and they did have that little run there. Uh, but outside of that, it, it was Zuzi's game to lose um, at the faceoff dot. And then you mix that success in with you out-ground ball a team 46-24. to 23-12 in the second half. Plus, Birkenshaw has 15 saves, five of which came in the first half, where really was a back and forth. I thought the first, or the first quarter, I should say, the first period was a very even game. Very even game in my eyes, where both teams seemed like they were settling in, trying to get what they could. And really both goalies, I should say, played well in, in, in that first quarter. Uh, but Birkenshaw in particular, I mean, he had one save that was, you know, on, I think it was on the, um, you know, Piatelli on a man-up situation. And then he had, you know, Michael Long with 240 remaining. I was on a rollback or whatever. Um, and both of those goals, you know, would have given – uh, especially that Michael Long goal late in the quarter would have given the Big Red the lead. They never had the lead in that game. 
And that's a lot thanks to Bokenshaw and the way that, that defense was able to stifle Cornell early on to give the offense those possessions, uh, plus what was what Zuzi was doing for that as well, to let this Penn offense go to work and do what they do best. And, and they move the ball. They work well. I mean, you see goals every which way, working from behind the cage. You're getting those step-down shots from Hanley up top. Um, and a lot of different guys that stepped up in this one. You know, James Shipley, you know, again with two points in this one. Caleb Fernandez, his first start of his career as a senior, one goal, one assist. I just thought Penn played great all around in this one. Um, out like with 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 exception to the clearing and the turnovers. If they clean up those two, I mean this is this is a complete team in many ways. In many ways. And and they showed that uh on Saturday. Sam Hanley, three goals, three assists to lead the way there for uh, the Quakers, Mitch and Birkenshaw's 15 saves, Zuzi at the dot for Cornell. Uh, you had Michael Long um, with three goals and two assists to lead the Big Red. Now, a couple games I still need to watch here that I'll mention here. Georgetown tops Lehigh. Um, and from what I – I was able to catch, like, a minute or so of this. I had it kind of out the corner of my eye uh, for a minute there late. Lehigh uh, loses at home to Georgetown 14-11. to A big one there for the Hoyas. And um, look, Mikey Sisselberger won the battle off the dot there. Um, 55%. But at the end of the day, you know, and I do want to mention Michael uh, Schraffenberger get, got his first start in cage, stepping in between the pipes for an injured Owen McElroy. He had nine saves in this one. Uh, Dylan Watson, five goals. TJ Haley, two goals, four assists. Uh, Georgetown had a really big stretch in this game, from what I could tell, um, that got them there. Um, you know, Lehigh had had turnovers issues you had you know during that little run there late where Georgetown was able to push ahead after Lehigh comes back and they they, they were able to tie it weren't able to get ahead and 23 total turnovers really kind of tells the story there one of those turnovers led to a Hoyas goal there in the second half uh, while you know to help the Hoyas get that run going so I still need to go watch that one, but looks like, you know, turnovers were kind of the issue for Lehigh from what I could tell. And, uh, you know, face-off that was what we thought it would be there, but uh, Georgetown's offense getting going. Hopkins and Michigan. Um, look, Josh Cusin, 11 saves. Um yeah, man, I thought this was a, you know, Jacob Angelis, Dagnon, three goals, three assists for him, Angelis, three goals, four assists. I saw the very end of this game, 
And I'll just say this. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I didn't watch the whole thing, but Johns Hopkins' offense looks like it's going better. And they were working the way you want to see them work. Um, And, like, I think I'd said, I don't know if y'all heard this or not because it was cut off, but um, at least for some people it was, the on Thursday's podcast, Michigan has not been good offensively the past couple of games. Um, And it seems like they've been a little timid to kind of go. Uh, Zawada had three goals, one assist. Ryan Cohn had one goal, three assists. Michael Bame, two goals, two assists. Seems like they did well. Uh, Wheatfield uh, went 73%. Uh, Rowett was back. He took a couple. I think he reached his 100th faceoff win or something like that from what I saw on the game. Um, so good to see him back there for Michigan. But uh, Justin Wheatfield does a, a good job there with the dot. And I, I want to go watch this and see kind of what happened here because you see – that game against Harvard where Michigan, like, they dominate the dot, but Harvard's defense was able to stifle them uh, offensively enough. They didn't get a lot going. Uh, so I do want to see if maybe that's what happened here um, and, and that they were able to get those possessions off, make the toe of the face off into a ground ball scrum and come up with the ground balls. So we'll see. I still need to go back and watch that one. I'll do that tonight after uh, Penn State and Maryland. Nick Tone leads Army past Loyola, another one I didn't watch, but uh, thought I'd mention here a 14-12 to 12 victory for Loyola. And uh, the, from what I've been told about this one, and someone messaged me this, they said, uh, Brennan Nick Tone, Pat Spencer, Loyola. And I, I guess what that means is he dominated. Um, and, yeah, man, it looks like he dominated. Seven-point outing for him in this one. Um, the Black Knights outscored the Greyhounds 9-6 to in the second half. Um, Army was up 11-8 midway through the fourth quarter. Um, and after the largest run of the game, pull ahead 14-10. Loyola gets the final two, but that's all she wrote there. Uh, Wyatt Schupel, 13 saves in cage for Army. And uh, Joey Stillings, four ground balls and two cause turnovers uh, to lead the way in front of the cage. Looks like it was a good day there for the Black Knights, despite you know, Bailey Savio uh, doing some work at the faceoff dot on Loyola's behalf. A couple of the games I want to mention. Um, Boston U beat Lafayette 12-11, to 11, I believe it was. Let me check this real quick. To get the win and stay undefeated in conference play 21 to 11 excuse me um and um vince Alto, 14 freaking points connor calderon 32 face-off wins a division one record um two guys that have been really good this season putting up records on saturday as Boston U continues to look like one of the best teams in the Patriot League, they're undefeated in Patriot League play. They get that win. Uh, UMass beats Brown 11-7. to Sam King, nine points, six goals, three assists to lead Harvard past Dartmouth 19-10. to Harvard now tops uh, the Ivy. Bryant, 
14 to 11 over Hobart to move to 2 and 0 in NEC play. Hobart drops to 0 and 2 in NEC play. We'll see how they go from here. It only gets tougher. Um, Brendan Krause and Brendan Dodd combined for 12 points. Air Force beats Marquette 16 to 9. Those two have been, you know, just light, lighting up the scoreboard all year. They continue to do that. Uh, Matt Campbell, seven goals, one assist. As Villanova pulls past Delaware, 18 to 13. Denver escapes Towson, uh, 12 to 9, 76% effort from Alex Stathakis. They got Georgetown next week. We'll see if the Pioneers can continue to build here. Uh, I didn't watch this one, but looks, you know, have to escape Towson, um, this Towson team, which good offense. Kobe Smith's a good uh, good defenseman. You got Shane Brennan and Cage, but this is not 2019 Towson, so we'll see how Denver progresses from here. Um, and then last game, North Carolina 15-8 to over Bellarmine. They have to escape that one. And look, uh, Bellarmine, I, I think they kind of showed – the country on Saturday, like, hey, we're, we're two and eight, two and nine now. But, you know, a son play, here we come. Uh, it was an impressive performance there. J.C. Higginbotham had a strong game, um, you know, as he's been playing very well all season. Dante Batista, you know, replaced him for a few games there. But uh, Higginbotham showing, you know, who he is, John Robbins, that Bellman defense did a great job there. Uh, holding Carolina scoreless for a good portion of that game there, uh, especially in the first half. So uh, Carolina escaping uh, another one, another scare there, and that one, Chris Gray going off as uh, they go on an 8-0 run to end the game and get the win. That is all for today, folks. As always, you can uh, connect with us on social media, at Lacrosse Bucket, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.